spoken me. I went to sleep that night without knowing that it would be the last night I ever spent in that bed at my parents' house in London. Meredith, my mum shook me awake. The room was dark, making it obvious it wasn't morning yet, but not time to get up for school anyway. Mum, I mumbled in my half-asleep state. It's time to go. Everything I told you about those stories is true. It's time for you to leave us so you can train to be a protector. Your dad and I, we've done everything we possibly can to prepare you. First Charge is the first book in the Destiny Initiative series by Amanda The book can be purchased in paperback from Amazon. The e-book can also be purchased on Kindle, Kobo, Apple Books and many others. Spoken Have you ever thought about what Santa Claus would be like as a zombie? Or maybe you've wondered how he would cope with climate change, Brexit or any number of issues facing the UK and beyond. Probably not, but if you're now wondering, you can buy The Twelve Deaths of Father Christmas by Amanda Steele. It's a collection of flash fiction stories with accompanying images in which Santa dies in different ways. There's a political slant to many of the pieces and added sarcasm. This is not for children. Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com On the Bandcamp it is set as pay what you want so you are entitled if you wish you can download it or stream it for nothing but if you have thrown me a couple of pennies my way it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs for the podcast. Enjoy! Spoken Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label Back in the house on Zoom again today, and we're over to Sheffield today. And I've got a lo- lo- another young lady on the phone today, and I've been chatting to her before, and her accent, as I guess, isn't from Sheffield, but I've been chatting to her. I got talking to her about the night she runs Creative Poetry, and I'm going to have a chat to her today about her work at that and a few bits and pieces. So, Sarah, first of all, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody, tell me who you are, where you come from originally, and we'll start from there. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Andy. Really appreciate it. Um, I am Sarah Jane. I'm a spoken word artist and a creative healing coach. And I'm also a co-founder of Creation Poetry, which is an online poetry community where we host open mic nights on the third Wednesday of every month. And we also run workshops and other creative expression events. Cool. Now, so then, what we'll look at first of all today is where your journey as a creative person where she came from. Then, where mm. I know you, she told me before you came, you come from the Richard, and I'm not from base of the borders, top end of Southern Ireland, don't you? So, That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's a place called South Armagh. I meant to mention that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's basically between um, Monaghan and, and Armagh in Ireland. So it's right on the border there. It's like I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> oh, completely with that. Were you, 
did you find them when you were growing up then before you came to England? Were you being, were you creative back then or has it just come together more since you moved to England? I was absolutely always creative, um, like without a shadow of a doubt. Arts were my best friend growing up. Um, and I actually come from like a very rural part of Ireland as well. So I grew up at a farm and oh, wow. I, yeah, it was it was really oh, nice. Yeah. And I've always had this sort of like a deep connection to spirituality, nature and the arts. And like I would I would make art out of anything, like anything I could get my hands on, whether it was soil or flowers or anything I could find, really. Um, and this just kind of uh, evolved throughout my lifetime. So, yes, always been interested in it for sure. And I know, obviously, when you first moved to England, you went to Derby, didn't you? So did you go to Derby for that college at, I guess, or did you just move over here anyhow? So that's exactly it. I, um, I'll, I'll go back a little bit before mm. I yeah. moved to England. So um, growing up, I had a father with um, chronic depression and, and, and various other mental health issues. Um, and I really got into the arts when I started to bond with him. He actually, he actually really liked poetry and he was my first kind of introduction to poetry as a child. Oh, um, and yeah, it was awesome. Um, so he sadly passed away when I was 19. And um, it was quite traumatic. I should probably give a trigger warning for this, but it was um, suicide. And this really catapulted my journey into creative healing and um, art therapy and expressive arts therapies. So a couple of months after he passed away, I decided to um, get myself on a Bachelor of Arts Honours degree for Creative Expressive Therapies. And the most accredited course was actually in Derby because that's where um, art therapy was founded in the UK. So I went straight there, straight to Derby, took myself um, on a journey of healing through the arts and creative expression. And when I started this um, new journey, this new pursuit into sort of uh, psyche, interpersonal development and whatnot, um, I, I got really got into spoken word and poetry and I managed to marry this with the other arts. And then three years later, I moved to Sheffield to do a master's degree. And another four years later, here we are today. <laughs> Brilliant. So it's like when Sheffield got his grips on you. You've never let go, basically, has it? So <laughs> very, very much so. Like Sheffield has got a very rich culture here of sort of new found poetry, like that sort of feminist poetry, and you know, it the arts here are very diverse and spread into all corners of the city. So I, I of course, I just had to stay. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely you get that sort of gripping. That he's like, you're not going to go anywhere. So I get you completely with it because I have been Sheffield not for a long time, mind you. Of loads of a few years ago, I went down there last, so certainly, Sarah. But yeah, yeah, I remember it well around there. So now, tell us obviously, then you've told us obviously briefly before about creation poetry. Tell us where that came mm. from, the idea for that, then. Oh, it's it's a really beautiful, um, organic creation. Uh, what happened was just before lockdown um my friend nancy who is also a writer and a poet and a musician and she's uh, just a creative all round she was she was wanting to collaborate together to work um and to do some 
form of workshops for like expression so she got in contact with me and you know asked if I would um, run and facilitate some workshops for free so that she could um, raise money for charity and of course yeah of course I was like yes I, I would love 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 to do that so I developed a course I developed a course for people new to poetry to really sink their teeth into it and um, experience it from the novice perspective because everyone has the ability to be creative and everyone has the ability to write poetry and gain from it and heal through it so we developed this course and sadly we only did one session and we went into lockdown so I know right so um I decided along with Nancy like let's that the outcome from the first session was so fantastic that we we literally couldn't not do something so we brought it all online and we came up with this open mic night event that would really be inclusive of all the people and the voices that we stand for so the kind of narratives that we work with are predominantly queer feminist um really diverse kind of um, more narratives of personal experience, trauma, and some some work even kind of intertwines other art forms like hip hop and singing and stuff like that. And it's also kind of almost activist in a sense as well. So it's very, very diverse. Um, So we brought all of this online and because we had such a great response and we've seen a gap for the need for this, we've just continued to grow and run these open mics um, every month and occasionally offer workshops and sort of online writing retreats and whatnot. So that's the evolution of creation poetry. Brilliant. I know um, as a t- I know we've been talking about mic that and I, I've been covering them for about three years now myself and ours was a live one and when we went on to Zoom it took some adjustment for us to get used to it. Did you find that yourself? It took some adjustment to get used to running a monkey on Zoom. Absolutely. And like one of the most perfect examples is the very first night that we ran. Um, what we did was we decided to feature some already performing and rising poets. So we got in contact with Ravel Shade. I'm not sure if you know her, but you, you should definitely get her on this podcast. She's amazing. I'll take the name um, off you later. <laughs> Always want to get new people on. <laughs> Yeah, I do. She's incredible. But we really wanted her to come on because of her work and the kind of content that she shares. But we, she's a mum and she also has a chronic illness, much like um, a lot of people within our community. And she was quite nervous because we were the first Zoom open mic that she was coming to. And of course, this was brand new for us as well. And everything that could have possibly went wrong kind of went wrong. You know, the camera fell, the lights oh. went out, her like her kid needed <laughs> go to bed like all this stuff but it just added to the community like everyone in the audience was so supportive they were like clicking like um on the comment section in the chat and they were like you're goddess you're queen like and it just makes it so much more authentic and real and I think something about being a part of a community that isn't so polished and that is quite raw that it almost makes it even more um humble in a sense um so so that yeah we've definitely hit a couple of bumps um but it seems like every every month people get more relaxed and everything runs smoother almost like the more you get used to it which I'm sure you can definitely relate to as well yeah completely (laughs) I remember the first one we did Sarah on Zoom 
uh, when it all were locked down, me and Amanda, my partner, were about to go and do a headline slot for somebody at quite a major venue. And we got asked to go and do it at Zoom with about 24-hour notice without knowing what it was. Then we ran a mood our night onto Zoom. And I remember as well, we had over 100 people trying to lock on Zoom that night. And it crashed the system. Oh, <laughs> <No>. God. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been an experience, that's for sure. I mean, I've enjoyed it. I think you have as well, but the sound of things. But it's, you know what I mean? I think you learn stuff more about people all the time, don't you? And how you work as a team mm. and the sort of thing. But do you envisage um, when we eventually come out of lockdown, would you want to go back to running a live night again and maybe a Zoom night on top of it? literally that's exactly it you're way ahead of me Andy that um that's exactly what we want to do so yeah, I, th- I think like, we're doing the same to honestly because I think we've got safe now we realize you and you must have felt it like I did you meet people all over the world haven't you so far probably yeah. right it's so true I mean I feel like you can't really um you can't really miss anyone when you do it like this because there are people that you know zoom and online poetry events will reach that of course actual in-person events simply won't and a big part of our community are chronically ill people so people who may not have the energy or the means or the accessibility to go to open mic events so when you bring it into your home it's just so accessible so inclusive and then at the same time of course you know you want you want the buzz you also want the experience the thrill of an in-person event so I absolutely have without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that I have a vision of both both being thriving and happening and reaching and pushing poetry into every corner possible that we can. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was saving my nights as well. What's the furthest out from people? What's the furthest out people you've had so far? Because I've we've had mostly England. We've had a couple of Irish people. I know of a night I was at that had um, a Russian poet coming and two poets mm-hmm. coming from Nigeria on the same night. And one from Australia, and that was, in, that was incredible, right? Oh, I know. I love this. Yeah, it's it's a real treat. I mean, we have had, I mean, predominantly our community is in the UK um, and we want to feature rising poets from the UK to keep it kind of niche in that sense. Um, but at our open mic events, we have had um, open micers and people join us from California, from the Netherlands, from different parts of the States, from San Francisco, from Ireland, from Australia as well, um, and Germany, and I think I think France as well. But wow. yeah, that's it. Oh, thumbs and Canada, up. Canada too. <laughs> Fum, thumbs up there, definitely. Right, double thumbs up, brilliant. And then I think yeah. you do. Like, I, tell me if you agree with this. I've always found you speaking, meeting, speaking of a poet in other countries, you're learning other stuff like their backgrounds all the time and um, I'm pretty well versed in American poets but it's great you know, Canadian poets and they're like said French and Netherlands as well it's just in that complete experience it's, it's, it's marvelous it is it's so beautiful it really does make the world feel like a much bigger place when it happens oh complete now moving on because obviously there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about today Sarah Jane in particular mm-hmm. Second thing we want to touch on is your podcast, Handle with Care. Yeah. So, now, tell us about that next, then. And also, we'll go right back to the games. I know it's quite a reasonably new one. I've seen it on Anchor. And mm. tell us about what made you want to do this podcast and what plans you got for it. 
Yeah, of course. So um, Handle With Care was born out of a blog I started um, about two years ago. And truly, I just done it in my spare time while I was studying a master's, like I didn't have enough on my plate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're Um, the club. (laughs) Honestly, you know, when something just channels through you and you feel called to share, I just, I had to respond to that inner yearning. And it kind of came out of the fact that I have a a very rich background in holistic therapies. Um, Me and my friends have a joke where they call me um, like a therapy junkie because I've tried everything. Um, I've tried everything from like holistic shamanic and natural medicine work to body work to energy medicine to like creative expressive therapies, all that good stuff. And I am that person that all of my friends kind of come to for advice and for help. Um, And within the many things that I do, I always take this kind of um, like coaching role for interpersonal development and healing. And I actually work from a predominantly witchy kind of lens, like more of a shamanic Celtic roots kind of lens, which comes into my, um, my work as well as a creative healing coach. But um, I started this blog, Handle With Care, um, as a way to sort of express the the need for self-care because everywhere I went, I couldn't really help but notice the lack of self-care in people's lives. And we live in a we live in quite a productive culture, this like um, sort of more masculine churning out of work, you know, productivity, like central kind of it's at the core of everything that we do in society. And I, in this, I could really see the the wounded feminine, um, that sort of introspection, that self-care time, that sort of inward, you know, how to really and truly fill up your cup. So that's where the name Handle With Care comes from. And, and that was kind of the blog that I started. And then I got, you know, people really enjoyed the blog. Um, and then a lot of people said to me, you know, have you thought about doing a podcast because you're so great at speaking? And I said, you know, well, why the heck not? So <laughs> I started the podcast and it's kind of evolved with me along my journey. So um, I, it's kind of changed and it started just as all kind of uh, topics on spirituality and self-care. And now it's kind of honing along with me into more this embodiment of um, the creative healing coaching side of things and really just a platform for me to discuss what I think is most important and you know in a sense it's kind of like lighting the torch and passing it so what I learn I will give as I go if that makes sense yeah what I like about it is and I've noticed and I'm looking at it, I'm just looking at it now is the fact that some podcasts do on a daily basis or weekly basis yours seems to be when you've got something you really want to say I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Yep, that's exactly it. I I am very much in my feminine when it comes to stuff like this. I don't like a strict routine. I just speak as the information comes to me when I feel called. Um, and, And I also enjoy having guests on, but... I'll be honest, I'm I'm more of a receiver than a than a seeker. So guests come to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best way sometimes, honestly. Yeah. I'm the seeker normally. Or sometimes I'm the seeker anyway. So yeah, I know what you mean. There's there's two ways you can do it, definitely. So no, brilliant. Yeah, I've I've heard a couple of episodes of your podcast. I do recommend it. So I've really enjoyed what I've heard of it. And I have oh, sub- I've you. just subscribed to it now, actually. It's tied on iTunes. So I didn't really didn't realise it was iTunes. So so I'll be, I'll be listening to that when I'm back at work next week. So <laughs> completely so. 
Uh, right. Thank you. Okay, I want to ask you about next event. So you see, I love, so I love about people like yourself. You've got loads we can talk about. I want to know next about your um, on your website, the Creatix course. Ah, yes. So my Creatix course is um, under construction. Um, I guess what I'll do is I shall give you a little background into my work as a creative healing coach, and then that will probably make it much clearer what's to come. Does does is that sound okay? Perfect to me. Go for it. Okay, amazing. So as I've already mentioned, I studied creative expressive therapies and I specialized in spoken word, poetry and visual arts. And in the past, I have worked sort of on commission. So project based work like with adults with mental illness, vulnerable young people, um, uh, marginalized youth, all this kind of good stuff. And as my journey has progressed and I have sort of experienced new tastes of what it means to heal creatively um, and holistically, I have kind of honed my craft into a femme focus. So when I say a femme focus, it's really that the best work that I can do and the most healing that I can facilitate for someone will be someone who identifies as female because that is what I sort of am called to do. So this has really been put into perspective for me this year and I'm sure everyone listening can relate to 2020, putting things in perspective and really birthing um, our dharmas or what it is that we're supposed to do. So as that kind of happened and I've been going through um, a somewhat uh, experience of death and rebirth and really... um, polishing off my skills and relearning and all this kind of stuff. I'm in the process of creating uh, what is going to be a creatrix course. And the creatrix is simply an archetype. Um, it's a it's an archetype of the feminine that creates life. So it creates change, creates um, a new experience to live from what I have noticed throughout my career is the power of narrative and that can be good and bad people who really sort of cling on and hold and hold to their narratives of trauma and somewhat can can get stuck there and the creatrix course is really about rewriting your narrative and sort of busting out of the the story the stories and the traumas that we kind of live in um to sort of create a new reality for ourselves one that is rich in connections relationships sexuality all this kind of stuff um so that's currently in the making so you can see it there on my website it's there and it says in progress so it's very exciting and i cannot wait to launch it um with a beautiful sister circle in 2021 Watch your space, definitely. So now, obviously, like I said, for that cultures and the same, do same thing with your creative healing journey as well, which you talk about on your website a lot as well. So mm. it's fascinating. So now that's pretty well my questions today, Sarah Jane. But to conclude, a couple of quick things. Is yeah. there any, any plans you've got for the future you can reveal yet? I know we're in lockdown, so things are a bit, you know, <laughs> a bit tricky at the moment, as I would say. But is there anything you can reveal for the future that you've got in mind? Okay, so I will give you two juicy scoops for creation poetry. Yeah, exclusives. Uh, (laughs) So the first one is we are in the process, Nancy and I, of 
developing a find your voice course for people who really want to share uncensored poetry. So super um, inclusive course to help people kind of talk about the subjects that are hard to talk about in poetry um so we're in the we're in the process of creating that and it's going to go live hopefully end of this year next year fingers crossed and it's it's guns to be good let me tell you that um and then the second scoop is so we have had the most incredible um featured guests and poets on creation poetry so far i genuinely don't know how we've managed to just somehow get like otis mensa poet laureate sheffield and genevieve carver and tushinga and so many incredible you know i'm just name dropping here wonderful features and what we're planning to maybe they don't even know it yet is to gather them all together for one epic um poetry event that we are hoping is going to be live in Sheffield. Now we have a venue and it's it's gonna be very good. We are just waiting like everybody else on this whole pandemic to see what's gonna happen. There's a good chance with COVID popping you know, his head out of the sand every couple of weeks that it could be next year, but it's definitely not gonna be an event to miss. Sounds fantastic. Well, good lawyer, definitely, Sarah. Now, there's plenty of places we can refer people to to look, read, about, read up on you. But obviously, your, web, your podcast can handle all good networks. I have to subscribe to it on iTunes myself. And your main website is, um, tell me if I'm correct, it's osarahjane.co.uk. That's it, exactly. Yeah. I say, oh, Sarah Jean, my surname is O'Hare, and it also has a little pop, so it's just, oh, Sarah Jean. <laughs> I, I was, was wondering why you'd done that then. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> and you're, also, you're also on LinkedIn. You can also, people can also find, this is great, because I found all your stuff quite easily here. And you also find creative uh, poetry on Facebook quite easily. And I put it on the right up, and you're also on Facebook yourself as well. So brilliant. Yes. Okay, now... I should have asked you before, and so I forgot to make a little bit late. I, did we ask you to sort out some poems for you for us in advance of the second half? Uh, you didn't, but I um, I have got many a poem available to me at my fingertips. And so, yep, good, sure. good to me then. What we'll then do is we'll let yourself get get composed, because I knew we forgot to address you something, so, and all those in part two. So thank you again, Sarah. It's been fantastic today. Really enjoyed it. Enlightening and very enjoyable as well so thank, thank you, you right we'll see you on a few minutes guys hi guys straight over to sarah jane she's got a couple of poems for us over to you sarah jane thank you so um both of these poems come from a book a collection of poetry i'm currently working on and it is about heartbreak romance grief healing all that good stuff and um, a big focus on self-love the book is called A Witch Without Honey, where honey is a sticky kind of love that gets stuck in your hair and, you know, you just want to gorge on it and you want more. And the two poems I'm going to read to you come from the first chapters, um, which kind of wrap up my tragic love life in poetry. So um, the first one I'm going to read to you is called Miss Red Polka Dot Box. And this was inspired by a day where I was cleaning up my room and I found this box under my bed that I forgot I had. And 
many people will relate to this where you keep a box of sort of keep me nots little mem mementos of past relationships um and, and i didn't realize i did this so much um so yeah i i wrote a poem about it okay so here we go under my bed lives miss red polka dot box humorously her calligraphy whispers l o v e she collects the names of all my past lovers keeps them safe like limited edition 50p coins their value hasn't increased but their weight has and she's hungry to collect more she lies dormant for most of the year only to lift her hat maybe twice or three times if she's particularly needy and I beg her please go on a diet a detox a cleanse but she bends her sweet nostalgia around my arms and tells me sweetie I'm not done just yet we've had our fair share of fun don't get me wrong but most of those names belong in a chest with rocks locked up and chained long ago dropped into the ocean and much like the marine fungi you would imagine to grow over that despicable collection, a frightening thought often spores in my mind just the same. Of the entirety of names A to Z, discussing the only thing they have in common. Me. What horror must they share? How strong must they bond to unpack all my romantic patterns? What cult would they clan against my self-fulfilling plans? The false hope enveloped into lunchboxes. Connections kaleidoscoped through astrology lessons. Rose-stained promises as temporary as the kisses that seal them. And I wonder further, how might this convicted bunch initiate every new title to enter? A cold wash for each individual letter. A frisking for any remaining dignity. A pointed hat to mark their idiocy. A cup of tea with sugar to soothe the shock. And a blanket, of course, in case their arrival wasn't ostentatious enough already to comfort the part of this soul they just lost to. Miss Red, short for redemption, Polka dot like bullet shots box, catching names like chicken pox from under my bed. I dread to think of the next time she rumbles. So that was Miss Red Polka dot box. <laughs> brilliant. I've got a really evocative paragraph into that then. So brilliant stuff. I'm going to get you to send that title over to me afterwards. I'm dyslexic and can't wait. I think I wrote that down wrong. <laughs> well, no, excellent. I really, really enjoyed me that. Me too. I am also dyslexic. Creative oh, mind. Brilliant. <laughs> oh no, I've, there's, I've been this theory going around. I don't know if you've heard of this, where they say dyslexic people are among, among the most 10% creative people in the country. Yeah, it's it's so true because you're using the creative part of your brain more. And I mean, like, do you know about like Agatha Christie? She was dyslexic, and like apparently Albert Einstein was as well, you know? Yeah, I heard about, I heard about Albert Einstein. I didn't know about Agatha Christie, man, but it doesn't surprise me. Doesn't Agatha surprise Christie. Me is Ag Agatha Christie is incredible. She wrote all of her crime stories back to front. She's, so she wrote she, from oh, wow. the ending to the beginning, yeah. Oof, that's, some, that's some discipline, that. Can you imagine, like, I don't know, obviously, I didn't really ask what your poetry for. Can you imagine that trying to write your poetry in that way? I don't think I could do it that way, start off at the end and go back to the beginning. Well, well, it's funny because, yeah, poetry I write, I guess, linear but when I done my um all of my sort of education and my degrees um I wrote from the conclusion to the to backwards so I really related to Agatha Christie in that sense um oh, and I, I 
Yeah, and and like a bit of I don't know self I don't know flattery, but I actually graduated with um a ninety percent average. I got the highest score in the the Thumbs entire up. UK for my degree Thumbs that year. Thumbs up, well done. <laughs> well, I think I, when, I, when I did my creative five degree about twenty years ago, I didn't go to the club. So <laughs> I became that. I became I became the proper writer after left uni. So. Well, that's me for so. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was for sure channeling Agatha Christie. I was like, if she wow. can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Impressive, definitely. Right, okay then. What's your second poem going to be today? So my second poem is a much shorter one, um, and it's a bit of a playful one. So it's about uh, Tinder, that oh. wonderful oh. app. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shall I just, will I just read it? Uh, what's the title of this one? Sorry, I forgot to ask. It's called, it's called Tinder Lessons. Tinder Lessons. Go for it. I look forward to this. I spent months getting to know you behind a rose-tinted screen that screamed, this one is the one. You meant the universe to me. On a background of pink fluffy clouds, your icons became my love song, and I hoped and I hoped that my feelings were true. But the minute I met you, I knew you weren't him. And in the damp desire, sparks of misfire burnt my skin. But still, I laughed, drinking gin, to hide my rumination within of what was or what wasn't or what might have been. I spent days going through the ways I could have realized sooner. How foolish of me to see you as the reason behind my irrelevant degree and worse, to put all my sweet eggs in your basket, the casket of my fairy tale. But after dehorning and mourning the devil in me, I can see your lesson was less about care and more about the lack of, because pedestals don't have room for a sky-high fire, and I would be a liar if I said I could settle for a flame. And that that's it. Brilliant. Great title. No, I've got the great title. I love the ending of that about the flame. No, we've really, I mean, I've really took a good conclusion. Great stuff. It's been a pleasure today, Sarah Jane. Really enjoyed both those points. So, everyone, check her out. I've really enjoyed today. Thank you again, Sarah Jane. Thank you and so much for having me on. What you're doing is great, Andy, and I look forward to keeping up with all your many podcasts. Good luck. I do a load of <laughs> Well, thank you again, Sarah Jane. Seriously. Hang around. I need to quit with your mic. It's Andy in. It's Andy up. Take care, guys and girls. See you all soon. Bye. Spock on me.